Section 14 of Lourdes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Lourdes by Emile Zola, translated by Ernest Vizitelli. The Third Day. 4. The Vigil. When Pierre dragged Marie in her box to the front of the grotto and placed her as near as possible to the railing, it was past midnight, and about a hundred persons were still there, some seated on the benches, but the greater number kneeling as though prostrated in prayer. The grotto shone from afar, with its multitude of lighted tapers, similar to the illumination round a coffin, though all that you could distinguish was a star-like blaze, from the midst of which, with visionary whiteness, emerged the statue of the Virgin in its niche. The hanging foliage assumed an emerald sheen, the hundreds of crutches covering the vault resembled an inextricable network of dead wood on the point of reflowering, and the darkness was rendered more dense by so great a brightness. The surroundings became lost in a deep shadow in which nothing, neither walls nor trees, remained, whilst all alone ascended the angry and continuous murmur of the garve, rolling along beneath the gloomy, boundless sky now heavy with a gathering storm. Are you comfortable, Marie? gently inquired pierre don't you feel chilly she had just shivered but it was only at a breath from the other world which had seemed to her to come from the grotto no no i am so comfortable only place the shawl over my knees and thank you pierre don't be anxious about me i no longer require anyone now that i am with her her voice died away she was already falling into an ecstasy her hands clasped her eyes raised towards the white statue in a beatific transfiguration of the whole of her poor suffering face yet pierre remained a few minutes longer beside her he would have liked to wrap her in the shawl for he perceived the trembling of her little wasted hands but he feared to annoy her so confined himself to tucking her in like a child whilst she slightly raised with her elbows on the edges of her box and her eyes fixed on the grotto no longer beheld him a bench stood near and he had just seated himself upon it intending to collect his thoughts when his glance fell upon a woman kneeling in the gloom dressed in black she was so slim so discreet so unobtrusive so wrapped in darkness that at first he had not noticed her after a while however he recognized her as madame Maz. the thought of the letter which she had received during the day then recurred to him and the sight of her filled him with pity he could feel for the forlornness of this solitary woman who had no physical sore to heal but only implored the blessed virgin to relieve her heart pain by converting her inconstant husband the letter had no doubt been some harsh reply for with bowed head she seemed almost annihilated filled with the humility of some poor beaten creature it was only at night-time that she readily forgot herself there happy at disappearing at being able to weep suffer martyrdom and implore the return of the lost caresses for hours together without any one suspecting her grievous secret her lips did not even move it was her wounded heart which prayed which desperately begged for its share of love and happiness ah that inextinguishable thirst for happiness which brought them all there wounded either in body or in spirit pierre also felt it parching his throat in an ardent desire to be quenched he longed to cast himself upon his knees to beg the divine aid with the same humble faith as that woman but his limbs were as though tied he could not find the words he wanted and it was a relief when he at last felt someone touch him on the arm 
come with me monsieur l'abbé if you do not know the grotto said a voice i will find you a place it is so pleasant there at this time he raised his head and recognized baron suir the director of the hospitality of our lady of salvation this benevolent and simple man no doubt felt some affection for him he therefore accepted his offer and followed him into the grotto which was quite empty the baron had a key with which he locked the railing behind them you see monsieur l'abbé said he this is the time when one can really be comfortable here for my part whenever i come to spend a few days at lourdes i seldom retire to rest before daybreak as i have fallen into the habit of finishing my night here the place is deserted one is quite alone and is it not pleasant how well one feels oneself to be in the abode of the blessed virgin he smiled with a kindly air doing the honours of the grotto like an old frequenter of the place somewhat enfeebled by age but full of genuine affection for this delightful nook moreover in spite of his great piety he was in no way ill at ease there but talked on and explained matters with the familiarity of a man who felt himself to be the friend of heaven ah you are looking at the tapers he said there are about two hundred of them which burn together night and day and they end by making the place warm it is even warm here in winter indeed pierre was beginning to feel incommoded by the warm odour of the wax dazzled by the brilliant light into which he was penetrating he gazed at the large central pyramidal holder all bristling with little tapers and resembling a luminous clipped yew glistening with stars in the background a straight holder on a level with the ground upheld the large tapers which like the pipes of an organ formed a row of uneven height some of them being as large as a man's thigh and yet other holders resembling massive candelabra stood here and there on the jutting parts of the rock the vault of the grotto sank towards the left where the stone seemed baked and blackened by the eternal flames which had been heating it for years and the wax was perpetually dripping like fine snow the trays of the holders were smothered with it whitened by its ever-thickening dust in fact it coated the whole rock which had become quite greasy to the touch and to such a degree did it cover the ground that accidents had occurred and it had been necessary to spread some mats about to prevent persons from slipping you see those large ones there obligingly continued baron suir they are the most expensive and cost sixty francs apiece they will continue burning for a month the smallest ones which cost but five sous each only last three hours oh we don't husband them we never run short look here here are two more hampers full which there has not yet been time to remove to the storehouse then he pointed to the furniture which comprised a harmonium covered with a cloth a substantial dresser with several large drawers in which the sacred vestments were kept some benches and chairs reserved for the privileged few who were admitted during the ceremonies and finally a very handsome movable altar which was adorned with engraved silver plates the gift of a great lady and for fear of injury from dampness was only brought out on the occasions of remunerative pilgrimages pierre was disturbed by all this well-meant chatter his religious emotion lost some of its charm in spite of his lack of faith he had on entering experienced a feeling of agitation a heaving of the soul as though the mystery were about to be revealed to him it was at the same time both an anxious and a delicious feeling and he beheld things which deeply stirred him bunches of flowers lying in a heap at the virgin's feet with the votive offerings of children little faded shoes a tiny iron corslet and a doll-like crutch which almost seemed to be a toy 
beneath the natural ogival cavity in which the apparition had appeared at the spot where the pilgrims rubbed the chaplets and medals they wished to consecrate the rock was quite worn away and polished millions of ardent lips had pressed kisses on the wall with such intensity of love that the stone was as though calcined streaked with black veins shining like marble however he stopped short at last opposite a cavity in which lay a considerable pile of letters and papers of every description ah i was forgetting hastily resumed baron suir this is the most interesting part of it these are the letters which the faithful throw into the grotto through the railing every day we gather them up and place them there and in the winter i amuse myself by glancing through them you see we cannot burn them without opening them for they often contain money francs half francs and especially postage stamps he stirred up the letters and selecting a few at random showed the addresses and opened them to read nearly all of them were letters from illiterate persons with the superscription to our lady of lourdes scrawled on the envelopes in big irregular handwriting many of them contained requests or thanks incorrectly worded and wondrously spelt and nothing was more affecting than the nature of some of the petitions a little brother to be saved a lawsuit to be gained a lover to be preserved a marriage to be effected other letters however were angry ones taking the blessed virgin to task for not having had the politeness to acknowledge a former communication by granting the writer's prayers then there were still others written in a finer hand with carefully worded phrases containing confessions and fervent entreaties and these were from women who confided to the queen of heaven things which they dared not even say to a priest in the shadow of the confessional finally one envelope selected at random merely contained a photograph a young girl had sent her portrait to our lady of lourdes with this dedication to my good mother in short they every day received the correspondence of a most powerful queen to whom both prayers and secrets were addressed and who was expected to reply with favours and kindnesses of every kind the frank and half-frank pieces were simple tokens of love to propitiate her while as for the postage stamps these could only be sent for convenience's sake in lieu of coined money unless indeed they were sent guilelessly as in the case of a peasant woman who had added a postscript to her letter to say that she enclosed a stamp for the reply i can assure you concluded the baron that there are some very nice ones among them much less foolish than you might imagine during a period of three years i constantly found some very interesting letters from a lady who did nothing without relating it to the blessed virgin she was a married woman and entertained a most dangerous passion for a friend of her husband's well monsieur l'abbé she overcame it the blessed virgin answered her by sending her an armour for her chastity an all-divine power to resist the promptings of her heart then he broke off to say but come and seat yourself here monsieur l'abbé you will see how comfortable you will be pierre went and placed himself beside him on a bench on the left hand at the spot where the rock hung lower this was a deliciously reposeful corner and neither the one nor the other spoke a profound silence had ensued when behind him pierre heard an indistinct murmur a light crystalline voice which seemed to come from the invisible he gave a start which baron suir understood that is the spring which you hear said he it is there underground below this grating would you like to see it and without waiting for pierre's reply he at once bent down to open one of the iron plates protecting the spring mentioning that it was thus closed up in order to prevent free thinkers from throwing poison into it for a moment this extraordinary idea quite amazed the priest 
but he ended by attributing it entirely to the baron who was indeed very childish the latter meantime was vainly struggling with the padlock which opened by a combination of letters and refused to yield to his endeavours it is singular he muttered the word is rome and i am positive that it hasn't been changed the damp destroys everything every two years or so we are obliged to replace those crutches up there otherwise they would all rot away be good enough to bring me a taper by the light of the candle which pierre then took from one of the holders he at last succeeded in unfastening the brass padlock which was covered with verdigris then the plate having been raised the spring appeared to view upon a bed of muddy gravel in a fissure of the rock there was a limpid stream quite tranquil but seemingly spreading over a rather large surface the baron explained that it had been necessary to conduct it to the fountains through pipes coated with cement and he even admitted that behind the piscinas a large cistern had been dug in which the water was collected during the night as otherwise the small output of the source would not suffice for the daily requirements will you taste it he suddenly asked it is much better here fresh from the earth pierre did not answer he was gazing at that tranquil innocent water which assumed a moire-like golden sheen in the dancing light of the taper the falling drops of wax now and again ruffled its surface and as he gazed at it the young priest pondered upon all the mystery it brought with it from the distant mountain slopes come drink some said the baron who had already dipped and filled a glass which was kept there handy the priest had no choice but to empty it it was good pure water fresh and transparent like that which flows from all the lofty uplands of the pyrenees after refastening the padlock they both returned to the bench now and again pierre could still hear the spring flowing behind him with a music resembling the gentle warble of an unseen bird but the baron was again talking giving him the history of the grotto at all times and seasons in a pathetic babble replete with puerile details the summer was the roughest season for then came the great itinerant pilgrimage crowds with the uproarious fervour of thousands of eager beings all praying and vociferating together but with the autumn came the rain those diluvial rains which beat against the grotto entrance for days together and with them arrived the pilgrims from remote countries small silent and ecstatic bands of indians malays and even chinese who fell upon their knees in the mud at a sign from the missionaries accompanying them of all the old provinces of france it was brittany that sent the most devout pilgrims whole parishes arriving together the men as numerous as the women and all displaying a pious deportment a simple and unostentatious faith such as might edify the world then came the winter december with its terrible cold its dense snowdrifts blocking the mountain ways but even then families put up at the hotels and despite everything faithful worshippers all those who fleeing the noise of the world wished to speak to the virgin in the tender intimacy of solitude still came every morning to the grotto among them were some whom no one knew who appeared directly they felt certain they would be alone there to kneel and love like jealous lovers and who departed frightened away by the first suspicion of a crowd and how warm and pleasant the place was throughout the foul winter weather in spite of rain and wind and snow the grotto still continued flaring even during nights of howling tempest when not a soul was there it lighted up the empty darkness blazing like a brazier of love that nothing could extinguish the baron related that at the time of the heavy snowfall of the previous winter he had frequently spent whole afternoons there on the bench where they were then seated a gentle warmth prevailed there 
although the spot faced the north and was never reached by a ray of sunshine no doubt the circumstance of the burning tapers continuously heating the rock explained this generous warmth but might one not also believe in some charming kindness on the part of the virgin who endowed the spot with perpetual springtide and the little birds were well aware of it when the snow on the ground froze their feet all the finches of the neighbourhood sought shelter there fluttering about in the ivy around the holy statue at length came the awakening of the real spring the garve swollen with melted snow and rolling on with a voice of thunder the trees under the action of their sap arraying themselves in a mantle of greenery whilst the crowds once more returning noisily invaded the sparkling grotto whence they drove the little birds of heaven yes yes repeated baron suir in a declining voice i spent some most delightful winter days here all alone i saw no one but a woman who leant against the railing to avoid kneeling in the snow she was quite young twenty-five perhaps and very pretty dark with magnificent blue eyes she never spoke and did not even seem to pray but remained there for hours together looking intensely sad i do not know who she was nor have i ever seen her since he ceased speaking and when a couple of minutes later pierre surprised at his silence looked at him he perceived that he had fallen asleep with his hands clasped upon his belly his chin resting on his chest he slept as peacefully as a child a smile hovering the while about his mouth doubtless when he said that he had spent the night there he meant that he came thither to indulge in the early nap of a happy old man whose dreams are of the angels and now pierre tasted all the charms of the solitude it was indeed true that a feeling of peacefulness and comfort permeated the soul in this rocky nook it was occasioned by the somewhat stifling fumes of the burning wax by the transplendent ecstasy into which you sank amidst the glare of the tapers the young priest could no longer distinctly see the crutches on the roof the votive offerings hanging from the sides the altar of engraved silver and the harmonium in its wrapper for a slow intoxication seemed to be stealing over him a gradual prostration of his whole being and he particularly experienced the divine sensation of having left the living world of having attained to the far realms of the marvellous and the superhuman as though that simple iron railing yonder had become the very barrier of the infinite however a slight noise on his left again disturbed him it was the spring flowing ever flowing on with its bird-like warble ah how he would have liked to fall upon his knees and believe in the miracle to acquire a certain conviction that the divine water had gushed from the rock solely for the healing of suffering humanity had he not come there to prostrate himself and implore the virgin to restore the faith of his childhood why then did he not pray why did he not beseech her to bring him back to grace his feeling of suffocation increased the burning tapers dazzled him almost to the point of giddiness and all at once the recollection came to him that for two days past amid the great freedom which priests enjoyed at lourdes he had neglected to say his mass he was in a state of sin and perhaps it was the weight of this transgression which was oppressing his heart he suffered so much that he was at last compelled to rise from his seat and walk away he gently closed the gate behind him leaving baron suir still asleep on the bench marie he found had not stirred but was still raised on her elbows with her ecstatic eyes uplifted towards the figure of the virgin how are you marie asked pierre don't you feel cold she did not reply he felt her hands and found them warm and soft albeit slightly trembling it is not the cold which makes you tremble is it marie he asked in a voice as gentle as a zephyr she replied no no let me be 
i am so happy i shall see her i feel it ah what joy so after slightly pulling up her shawl he went forth into the night a prey to indescribable agitation beyond the bright glow of the grotto was a night as black as ink a region of darkness into which he plunged at random then as his eyes became accustomed to this gloom he found himself near the garve and skirted it following a path shaded by tall trees where he again came upon a refreshing obscurity this shade and coolness both so soothing now brought him relief and his only surprise was that he had not fallen on his knees in the grotto and prayed even as marie was praying with all the power of his soul what could be the obstacle within him whence came the irresistible revolt which prevented him from surrendering himself to faith even when his overtaxed tortured being longed to yield he understood well enough that it was his reason alone which protested and the time had come when he would gladly have killed that voracious reason which was devouring his life and preventing him from enjoying the happiness allowed to the ignorant and the simple perhaps had he beheld a miracle he might have acquired enough strength of will to believe for instance would he not have bowed himself down vanquished at last if marie had suddenly risen up and walked before him the scene which he conjured up of marie saved marie cured affected him so deeply that he stopped short his trembling arms uplifted towards the star-spangled vault of heaven what a lovely night it was so deep and mysterious so airy and fragrant and what joy rained down at the hope that eternal health might be restored that eternal love might ever revive even as spring returns then he continued his walk following the path to the end but his doubts were again coming back to him when you need a miracle to gain belief it means that you are incapable of believing there is no need for the almighty to prove his existence pierre also felt uneasy at the thought that so long as he had not discharged his priestly duties by saying his mass his prayers would not be answered why did he not go at once to the church of the rosary whose altars from midnight till noon are placed at the disposal of the priests who come from a distance thus thinking he descended by another path again finding himself beneath the trees near the leafy spot whence he and marie had watched the march past of the procession of tapers not a light now remained there was but a boundless expanse of gloom here pierre experienced a fresh attack of faintness and as though to gain time he turned mechanically into the pilgrim's shelter-house its door had remained wide open still this failed to sufficiently ventilate the spacious hall which was now crowded with people on the very threshold pierre felt oppressed by the stifling heat emanating from the multitude of bodies the dense pestilential smell of human breath and perspiration the smoking lanterns gave out so bad a light that he had to pick his way with extreme care in order to avoid treading upon outstretched limbs for the overcrowding was extraordinary and many persons unable to find room on the benches had stretched themselves on the pavement on the damp stone slabs fouled by all the refuse of the day and on all sides indescribable promiscuousness prevailed prostrated by overpowering weariness men women and priests were lying there pell-mell at random open-mouthed and utterly exhausted a large number were snoring seated on the slabs with their backs resting against the walls and their heads drooping on their chests others had slipped down with limbs intermingled and one young girl lay prostrate across an old country priest who in his calm childlike slumber was smiling at the angels it was like a cattle-shed sheltering poor wanderers of the roads all who were homeless on that beautiful holiday night and who had dropped in there and fallen fraternally asleep 
still there were some who found no repose in their feverish excitement but turned and twisted or rose up to finish eating the food which remained in their baskets others could be seen lying perfectly motionless their eyes wide open and fixed upon the gloom the cries of dreamers the wailing of sufferers arose amidst general snoring and pity came to the heart a pity full of anguish at sight of this flock of wretched beings lying there in heaps in loathsome rags whilst their poor spotless souls no doubt were far away in the blue realm of some mystical dream pierre was on the point of withdrawing feeling sick at heart when a low continuous moan attracted his attention he looked and recognized madame vincent on the same spot and in the same position as before still nursing little rose under her lap ah monsieur l'abbé the poor woman murmured you hear her she woke up nearly an hour ago and has been sobbing ever since yet i assure you i have not moved even a finger i felt so happy at seeing her sleep the priest bent down examining the little one who had not even the strength to raise her eyelids a plaintive cry no stronger than a breath was coming from her lips and she was so white that he shuddered for he felt that death was hovering near dear me what shall i do continued the poor mother utterly worn out this cannot last i can no longer bear to hear her cry and if you knew all that i have been saying to her my jewel my treasure my angel i beseech you cry no more be good the blessed virgin will cure you and yet she still cries on with these words the poor creature burst out sobbing her big tears falling on the face of the child whose rattle still continued had it been daylight she resumed i would long ago have left this hall the more especially as she disturbs the others there is an old lady yonder who has already complained but i fear it may be chilly outside and besides where could i go in the middle of the night ah blessed virgin blessed virgin take pity upon us overcome by emotion pierre kissed the child's fair head and then hastened away to avoid bursting into tears like the sorrowing mother and he went straight to the rosary as though he were determined to conquer death he had already beheld the rosary in broad daylight and had been displeased by the aspect of this church which the architect fettered by the rock-bound site had been obliged to make circular and low so that it seemed crushed beneath its great cupola which square pillars supported the worst was that despite its archaic byzantine style it altogether lacked any religious appearance and suggested neither mystery nor meditation indeed with the glaring light admitted by the cupola and the broad glazed doors it was more like some brand new corn market and then too it was not yet completed the decorations were lacking the bare walls against which the altars stood had no other embellishment than some artificial roses of coloured paper and a few insignificant votive offerings and this bareness heightened the resemblance to some vast public hall moreover in time of rain the paved floor became as muddy as that of a general waiting-room at a railway station the high altar was a temporary structure of painted wood innumerable rows of benches filled the central rotunda benches free to the public on which people could come and rest at all hours for night and day alike the rosary remained open to the swarming pilgrims like the shelter-house it was a cowshed in which the almighty received the poor ones of the earth on entering pierre felt himself to be in some common hall trod by the footsteps of an ever-changing crowd but the brilliant sunlight no longer streamed on the pallid walls the tapers burning at every altar simply gleamed like stars amidst the uncertain gloom which filled the building a solemn high mass had been celebrated at midnight with extraordinary pomp amidst all the splendour of candles chants golden vestments and swinging steaming censers 
but of all this glorious display there now remained only the regulation number of tapers necessary for the celebration of the masses at each of the fifteen altars ranged around the edifice these masses began at midnight and did not cease till noon nearly four hundred were said during those twelve hours at the rosary alone taking the whole of lourdes where there were altogether some fifty altars more than two thousand masses were celebrated daily and so great was the abundance of priests that many had extreme difficulty in fulfilling their duties having to wait for hours together before they could find an altar unoccupied what particularly struck pierre that evening was the sight of all the altars besieged by rows of priests patiently awaiting their turn in the dim light at the foot of the steps whilst the officiating minister galloped through the latin phrases hastily punctuating them with the prescribed signs of the cross and the weariness of all the waiting ones was so great that most of them were seated on the flagstones some even dozing on the altar steps in heaps quite overpowered relying on the beadle to come and rouse them for a moment pierre walked about undecided was he going to wait like the others however the scene determined him against doing so at every altar at every mass a crowd of pilgrims was gathered communicating in all haste with a sort of voracious fervour each pyx was filled and emptied incessantly the priest's hands grew tired in thus distributing the bread of life and pierre's surprise increased at the sight never before had he beheld a corner of this earth so watered by the divine blood whence faith took wing in such a flight of souls it was like a return to the heroic days of the church when all nations prostrated themselves beneath the same blast of credulity in their terrified ignorance which led them to place their hope of eternal happiness in an almighty god he could fancy himself carried back some eight or nine centuries to the time of great public piety when people believed in the approaching end of the world and this he could fancy the more readily as the crowd of simple folk the whole host that had attended high mass was still seated on the benches as much at ease in god's house as at home many had no place of refuge was not the church their home the asylum where consolation awaited them both by day and by night those who knew not where to sleep who had not found room even at the shelter-place came to the rosary where sometimes they succeeded in finding a vacant seat on a bench at others sufficient space to lie down on the flagstones and others who had beds awaiting them lingered there for the joy of passing a whole night in that divine abode so full of beautiful dreams until daylight the concourse and promiscuity were extraordinary every row of benches was occupied sleeping persons were scattered in every corner and behind every pillar men women children were leaning against each other their heads on one another's shoulders their breath mingling in calm unconsciousness it was the break-up of a religious gathering overwhelmed by sleep a church transformed into a chance hospital its door wide open to the lovely august night giving access to all who were wandering in the darkness the good and the bad the weary and the lost and all over the place from each of the fifteen altars the bells announcing the elevation of the host incessantly sounded whilst from among the mob of sleepers bands of believers now and again arose went and received the sacrament and then returned to mingle once more with the nameless shepherdless flock which the semi-obscurity enveloped like a veil with an air of restless indecision pierre was still wandering through the shadowy groups when an old priest seated on the step of an altar beckoned to him for two hours he had been waiting there and now that his turn was at length arriving he felt so faint that he feared he might not have strength to say the whole of his mass and preferred therefore to surrender his place to another no doubt the sight of pierre wandering so distressfully in the gloom had moved him he pointed the vestry out to him waited until he returned with chasuble and chalice 
and then went off and fell into a sound sleep on one of the neighbouring benches pierre thereupon said his mass in the same way as he said it at paris like a worthy man fulfilling a professional duty he outwardly maintained an air of sincere faith but contrary to what he had expected from the two feverish days through which he had just gone from the extraordinary and agitating surroundings amidst which he had spent the last few hours nothing moved him nor touched his heart he had hoped that a great commotion would overpower him at the moment of the communion when the divine mystery is accomplished that he would find himself in view of paradise steeped in grace in the very presence of the almighty but there was no manifestation his chilled heart did not even throb he went on to the end pronouncing the usual words making the regulation gestures with the mechanical accuracy of the profession in spite of his effort to be fervent one single idea kept obstinately returning to his mind that the vestry was far too small since such an enormous number of masses had to be said how could the sacristans manage to distribute the holy vestments and the cloths it puzzled him and engaged his thoughts with absurd persistency at length to his surprise he once more found himself outside again he wandered through the night a night which seemed to him utterly void darker and stiller than before the town was lifeless not a light was gleaming there only remained the growl of the garve which his accustomed ears no longer heard and suddenly similar to a miraculous apparition the grotto blazed before him illumining the darkness with its everlasting brazier which burnt with a flame of inextinguishable love he had returned thither unconsciously attracted no doubt by thoughts of marie three o'clock was about to strike the benches before the grotto were emptying and only some twenty persons remained there dark indistinct forms kneeling in slumberous ecstasy wrapped in divine torpor it seemed as though the night in progressing had increased the gloom and imparted a remote visionary aspect to the grotto all faded away amidst a delicious lassitude sleep reigned supreme over the dim far-spreading countryside whilst the voice of the invisible waters seemed to be merely the breathing of this pure slumber upon which the blessed virgin all white with her aureola of tapers was smiling and among the few unconscious women was madame mars still kneeling with clasped hands and bowed head but so indistinct that she seemed to have melted away amidst her ardent prayer pierre however had immediately gone up to marie he was shivering and fancied that she must be chilled by the early morning air i beseech you marie cover yourself up said he do you want to suffer still more and thereupon he drew up the shawl which had slipped off her and endeavoured to fasten it about her neck you are cold marie he added your hands are like ice she did not answer and was still in the same attitude as when he had left her a couple of hours previously with her elbows resting on the edges of her box she kept herself raised her soul still lifted towards the blessed virgin and her face transfigured beaming with a celestial joy her lips moved though no sound came from them perhaps she was still carrying on some mysterious conversation in the world of enchantments dreaming wide awake as she had been doing ever since he had placed her there he spoke to her again but still she answered not at last however of her own accord she murmured in a faraway voice oh i am so happy pierre i have seen her i prayed to her for you and she smiled at me slightly nodding her head to let me know that she heard me and would grant my prayers and though she did not speak to me pierre i understood what she wished me to know tis to-day at four o'clock in the afternoon when the blessed sacrament passes by that i shall be cured he listened to her in deep agitation 
had she been sleeping with her eyes wide open was it in a dream that she had seen the marble figure of the blessed virgin bend its head and smile a great tremor passed through him at the thought that this pure child had prayed for him and he walked up to the railing and dropped upon his knees stammering oh marie oh marie without knowing whether this heart cry were intended for the virgin or for the beloved friend of his childhood and he remained there utterly overwhelmed waiting for grace to come to him endless minutes went by this was indeed the superhuman effort the waiting for the miracle which he had come to seek for himself the sudden revelation the thunderclap which was to sweep away his unbelief and restore him rejuvenated and triumphant to the faith of the simple-minded he surrendered himself he wished that some mighty power might ravage his being and transform it but even as before whilst saying his mass he heard naught within him but an endless silence felt nothing but a boundless vacuum there was no divine intervention his despairing heart almost seemed to cease beating and although he strove to pray to fix his mind wholly upon that powerful virgin so compassionate to poor humanity his thoughts none the less wandered won back by the outside world and again turning to puerile trifles within the grotto on the other side of the railing he had once more caught sight of baron suir still asleep still continuing his pleasant nap with his hands clasped in front of him other things also attracted his attention the flowers deposited at the feet of the virgin the letters cast there as though into a heavenly letter-box the delicate lace-like work of wax which remained erect round the flames of the larger tapers looking like some rich silver ornamentation then without any apparent reason his thoughts flew away to the days of his childhood and his brother guillaume's face rose before him with extreme distinctness he had not seen him since their mother's death he merely knew that he led a very secluded life occupying himself with scientific matters in a little house in which he had buried himself with a mistress and two big dogs and he would have known nothing more about him but for having recently read his name in a newspaper in connection with some revolutionary attempt it was stated that he was passionately devoting himself to the study of explosives and in constant intercourse with the leaders of the most advanced parties why however should guillaume appear to him in this wise in this ecstatic spot amidst the mystical light of the tapers appear to him moreover such as he had formerly known him so good affectionate and brotherly overflowing with charity for every affliction the thought haunted him for a moment and filled him with painful regret for that brotherliness now dead and gone then with hardly a moment's pause his mind reverted to himself and he realized that he might stubbornly remain there for hours without regaining faith nevertheless he felt a sort of tremor pass through him a final hope a feeling that if the blessed virgin should perform the great miracle of curing marie he would at last believe it was like a final delay which he allowed himself an appointment with faith for that very day at four o'clock in the afternoon when according to what the girl had told him the blessed sacrament would pass by and at this thought his anguish at once ceased he remained kneeling worn out with fatigue and overcome by invincible drowsiness the hours passed by the resplendent illumination of the grotto was still projected into the night its reflection stretching to the neighboring hillsides and whitening the walls of the convents there however pierre noticed it grow paler and paler which surprised him and he roused himself feeling thoroughly chilled it was the day breaking beneath a leaden sky overcast with clouds he perceived that one of those storms so sudden in mountainous regions was rapidly rising from the south the thunder could already be heard rumbling in the distance whilst gusts of wind swept along the roads 
perhaps he had also been sleeping for he no longer beheld baron suir whose departure he did not remember having witnessed there were scarcely ten persons left before the grotto though among them he again recognized madame mars with her face hidden in her hands however when she noticed that it was daylight and that she could be seen she rose up and vanished at a turn of the narrow path leading to the convent of the blue sisters feeling anxious pierre went up to marie to tell her she must not remain there any longer unless she wished to get wet through i will take you back to the hospital said he she refused and then entreated no no i am waiting for mass i promised to communicate here don't trouble about me return to the hotel at once and go to bed i implore you you know very well that covered vehicles are sent here for the sick whenever it rains and she persisted in refusing to leave whilst on his side he kept on repeating that he did not wish to go to bed a mass it should be mentioned was said at the grotto early every morning and it was a divine joy for the pilgrims to be able to communicate amidst the glory of the rising sun after a long night of ecstasy and now just as some large drops of rain were beginning to fall there came the priest wearing a chasuble and accompanied by two acolytes one of whom in order to protect the chalice held a large white silk umbrella embroidered with gold over him pierre after pushing marie's little conveyance close to the railing so that the girl might be sheltered by the overhanging rock under which the few other worshippers had also sought refuge had just seen her receive the sacrament with ardent fervour when his attention was attracted by a pitiful spectacle which quite wrung his heart beneath a dense heavy deluge of rain he caught sight of madame vincent still with that precious woeful burden her little rose whom with outstretched arms she was offering to the blessed virgin unable to stay any longer at the shelter-house owing to the complaints caused by the child's constant moaning she had carried her off into the night and during two hours had roamed about in the darkness lost distracted bearing this poor flesh of her flesh which she pressed to her bosom unable to give it any relief she knew not what road she had taken beneath what trees she had strayed so absorbed had she been in her revolt against the unjust sufferings which had so sorely stricken this poor little being so feeble and so pure and as yet quite incapable of sin was it not abominable that the grip of disease should for weeks have been incessantly torturing her child whose cry she knew not how to quiet she carried her about rocking her in her arms as she went wildly along the paths obstinately hoping that she would at last get her to sleep and so hush that wail which was rending her heart and suddenly utterly worn out sharing each of her daughter's death pangs she found herself opposite the grotto at the feet of the miracle-working virgin she who forgave and who healed o oh, virgin mother most admirable heal her o oh, virgin mother of divine grace heal her she had fallen on her knees and with quivering outstretched arms was still offering her expiring daughter in a paroxysm of hope and desire which seemed to raise her from the ground and the rain which she never noticed beat down behind her with the fury of an escaped torrent whilst violent claps of thunder shook the mountains for one moment she thought her prayer was granted for rose had slightly quivered as though visited by the archangel her face becoming quite white her eyes and mouth opening wide and with one last little gasp she ceased her cry o oh, virgin mother of our redeemer heal her o oh, virgin all-powerful mother heal her but the poor woman felt her child become even lighter in her extended arms and now she became afraid at no longer hearing her moan at seeing her so white with staring eyes and open mouth without a sign of life 
how was it that she did not smile if she were cured suddenly a loud heart-rending cry rang out the cry of the mother surpassing even the din of the thunder in the storm whose violence was increasing her child was dead and she rose up erect turned her back on that deaf virgin who let little children die and started off like a madwoman beneath the lashing downpour going straight before her without knowing whither and still and ever carrying and nursing that poor little body which she had held in her arms during so many days and nights a thunderbolt fell shivering one of the neighbouring trees as though with the stroke of a giant axe amidst a great crash of twisted and broken branches pierre had rushed after madame vincent eager to guide and help her but he was unable to follow her for he at once lost sight of her behind the blurring curtain of rain when he returned the mass was drawing to an end and as soon as the rain fell less violently the officiating priest went off under the white silk umbrella embroidered with gold meantime a kind of omnibus awaited the few patients to take them back to the hospital marie pressed pierre's hands oh how happy i am she said do not come for me before three o'clock this afternoon on being left amidst the rain which had now become an obstinate fine drizzle pierre re-entered the grotto and seated himself on the bench near the spring he would not go to bed for in spite of his weariness he dreaded sleep in the state of nervous excitement in which he had been plunged ever since the day before little rosa's death had increased his fever he could not banish from his mind the thought of that broken-hearted mother wandering along the muddy paths with the dead body of her child what could be the reasons which influenced the virgin he was amazed that she could make a choice divine mother as she was he wondered how her heart could decide upon healing only ten out of a hundred sufferers that ten per cent of miracles which dr bonamy had proved by statistics he pierre had already asked himself the day before which ones he would have chosen had he possessed the power of saving ten a terrible power in all truth a formidable selection which he would never have had the courage to make why this one and not that other where was the justice where the compassion to be all-powerful and heal every one of them was that not the desire which rose from each heart and the virgin seemed to him to be cruel badly informed as harsh and indifferent as even impassable nature distributing life and death at random or in accordance with laws which mankind knew nothing of the rain was at last leaving off and pierre had been there a couple of hours when he felt that his feet were damp he looked down and was greatly surprised for the spring was overflowing through the gratings the soil of the grotto was already covered whilst outside a sheet of water was flowing under the benches as far as the parapet against the gave the late storms had swollen the waters in the neighbourhood pierre thereupon reflected that this spring in spite of its miraculous origin was subject to the laws that governed other springs for it certainly communicated with some natural reservoirs wherein the rain penetrated and accumulated and then to keep his ankles dry he left the place end of section fourteen